Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the letter of James, chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, in the New Testament section of our Red Pew Bibles, on page 219. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. James 1, verse 19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they're like those who look at themselves in a mirror, for they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty and persevere, being not haters, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unsustained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, again, good morning, and the Lord be with you. We are literally at the closing of this series, this fall series that we've been involved in, Rooted and Reaching. And uh, I think the scripture for this morning and all the music that we've had so far, it's encouraging us to think about what it means to have faith. What, it, what does it mean to be people of faith? How do we put our faith into action. We had three big goals for the series, and I just want to show them to you. Three big goals. One, we wanted to use the series to inform our congregation about the goals and the mission and the strategic plans of our church, where we believe God is taking us. The second big reason why we wanted to do this is we wanted to ignite within all of us this passion this desire to go deeper in our faith with Jesus Christ. And then last of all, and this is at the heart of why we're doing the series, we wanted to encourage us to activate our faith by reaching out to others with the love and the justice of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when you look at this image of a, of a plant that is rooted and grounded, I think it's a, it's a very, very apt metaphor for those of us who are on the journey with our Lord Jesus Christ, that image of that plant that is rooted in Jesus, 
and you see the roots going deep and you see the trunk of the tree growing up and the branches spreading out and that's the picture of the church. You could say it's the picture of the kingdom of God that we're bearing fruit for the glory of God. And so as we come to the second to the last message in the series, I want you to spend a moment thinking about what it means then to put one's faith into action. You see, real faith in God is alive. Real faith in God is active. And so it is one thing to believe in God, which I wouldn't doubt that many of us here subscribe to. It's one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. It's obedience to God. So the way I'm approaching the, my, my minutes that I have with you is to have you think about faith as being inside and faith that is outside. And when I say inside, the text talks about internal faith, who we are internally, and then the faith pictures, the, the scripture pictures two ways in which faith is external, the ways in which faith can be expressed internally. So the inside, outside nature of faith. What I want you to do, first of all, if you have your Bibles open, and I hope you do, is to just look at verse 18. And I know we didn't read that verse, but just look at verse 18, because it really gets us started in thinking about what it means then to be people of faith. It begins with God, right? God chose to give us birth through the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all that God created. God is the one who got it started in us. God chose us. God gave us birth. And you say, well, what kind of birth? And of course, Nicodemus was confused. And so Jesus made it clear that we're not talking about physical birth. We're talking about spiritual birth, that we were born again by the message of the gospel, by the word, by the truth of God's word, so that through that rebirth, we then can become first fruits. We become signs of God's uh, new creation before the world. So look at verse 19 then, and you'll notice then that this faith that God has given to us, that it starts internally. Look at verse, verse 19, and it's describing what I call self-control. It says, let, let, let everyone then be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, how many of us struggle with these three areas? As a sign that we've been given new birth in Christ, James says everyone who has been brought to new life in Christ is exhibiting this level of self-control internally. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Well, we know the story, right? Not everybody is able to do that. Some people are, 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 are quick to speak. They, you, they, with no solicitation, they're quick to give you their opinion. They're quick to tell you what you need to think. They're quick to, to voice their concerns and their criticisms. They're quick to anger. Some of us are. Some of us are, are at the slightest provocation, we, we explode like a bomb with anger. Now, James says one of the signs that God is at work within us is that we don't just speak quickly. We, 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 we listen first. 
We're slow to speak and to share our thoughts. And of course, we're slow to anger. James warns us that that this kind of anger, where he says slow to anger, he says in verse 20, that anger, if it's not properly channeled, if it's not for the right reason, that it does not produce, it does not result in the righteousness of God. So inside, the sign that we have been converted, that we are in the process of becoming more like Jesus, is that there is self-control. We have a congregational meeting coming up. We have opportunities today. Maybe there is residual conflict in your life right now, at work, at school, in your home, with your children, with your spouse. Maybe this is something you could take home with you today as you deal with all the challenges that one of the signs that I belong to God, that God is changing me, is that I am more a listener than a speaker and I'm slow to anger. Let's look very quickly then at the two external markers. The two external markers. That's the internal one, self-control. The, ex- the, 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 the external ones you'll see in verse 22. We are to be doers of the word. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers and deceive yourselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, They're like those who look at themselves in a mirror. They look at themselves, and on going away, they immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the perfect law of liberty, and they persevere. Now, that's an important word as you look into God's word. Persevere, being not hearers but who forgets, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. So you could hear James saying to the people of the congregation, I'm so glad that you're saved. I'm so glad that you've been brought to new life by the word of God. But there is more to the story of salvation. Now that you are brought to new life in Christ, you are now called to be doers of the word. You're being called to live the word, not just to talk it, but to walk it. Don't just hear it, but express it. And we live in one of the great countries of the world where there are over close to 400,000 churches scattered all across just America. We're not even saying what's in Canada. Just in America, over 400,000 churches. And every Sunday or wherever these churches meet, we hear God's word being sung and God's word is being preached and the scriptures are being read and People are going to Sunday school classes and small groups and people are reading bestsellers about the word of God and people are reading their Bibles. And James says that is great church in America. But when are you going to do what it says? Hearing is one level of learning. James is saying to us this morning, if you really want to do something hard, if you want to do something really hard, then Resolve to practice what you hear the scripture is calling you to do. Years ago, when Mark Laberton visited our church, he had just written a book that we were all reading, and some of you did it in a Sunday school class. The book is called The Dangerous Act of Loving Your Neighbor. And in the book, Mark 
Laberton has this beautiful story that just touches on what we're trying to say here. Here's what he said. He said, one morning in Berkeley, I met a student named Tim who had been attending worship services at a church where I was pastor. He explained he was a graduate student, newly back to school after a number of years as a touring musician. His neck tattoos, Mark says, were spectacular. He said he had shelved a lot of life's big questions while on the road, but now he was dusting them off and thinking about them again. And among one of the big questions that Tim had were issues of faith. He said, I'm checking out churches and wondering about something. I go to some churches and I hear a lot of talk about Jesus, but I hear so little about the world. I go to other churches and I hear a lot of talk about the world, but so little about Jesus. I've been going to your church, he says, and lately I hear a lot about Jesus and I hear a lot about the world, but here's my question. It's easy to find people in Berkeley like me. We're a dime a dozen. However, what I want to know is, if I hang out at your church, will I meet people who are like Jesus? Now, there was a, Mark says, a question to start a pastor's day. Tim was hungry for spiritual reality. He rightly expected the real thing. He rightly expected that the real thing would be measured by lives that portrayed the Jesus we claim to follow. Is this not what Jesus himself meant when he said, the kingdom of God is at hand? In other words, Jesus defined a future that has come near. People hang out at our church. Will they see Jesus portrayed in us? People follow us home. People follow us to work. People sit in the back seat of the car while we're driving. People look over our shoulders at what we're looking at on the computer and the kinds of emails that we're writing. Would they see Jesus portrayed? Tim was paying close attention to what our church said, but he wanted what he wanted was to meet people who lived and loved like Jesus in the world. For a moment, he, Mark says, I looked into the eyes this, of this young man for any sign of a cynic or an accuser. And what I saw instead, early one morning in the middle of Berkeley, were bright and honest eyes asking a clear, serious, and unguardedly earnest question, does following Jesus show And I think that's what our brother James is getting at. Don't just be hearers, but live it. Okay, final marker. It's the marker of a balanced life where confession and expression are aligned. You say, well, where do you get that, Pastor? Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? All right, thank you, front row. Let me, let me do it again. I got I to gotta get the rest of first prayers woken up this morning. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is what? 
All right, I didn't hear the, I didn't hear the balcony, though. Balcony, you're not off the hook, so I'm going to do it one more time. And, and choir, you, you help the balcony. If anyone thinks he's religious, she is religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is? All right, I think we all got in on that one. That's serious words. Those are serious words. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. Faith in action is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I still remember reading a book written by the late Eugene Peterson called Under... Under the, um, and, I'm, and the title is skipping me now, but, but in the book, he, he, he tells the story of a time in his life when he was a young pastor in Maryland, and he had, was planting a church in Maryland, and so every month he had to write a report and send it, send it in to the presbytery office telling them what he did and how many people came to church and what was the offering, and he said he was doing that month after month. And he, one day he asked himself the question, is anyone reading these monthly reports? And he decided just to be mischievous. So he decided to start messing with the report. And he would put the numbers in and then he would write, oh, I came to church drunk that morning and couldn't finish my sermon. And one of the elders had to come up and preach my sermon. And he sent it in and waited. No phone calls, nobody came to check on him. So he said, I'm going to up the ante. And he wrote his report again. And this time he put in it that um, he got arrested for uh, shoplifting and that he and his wife are going to get a divorce because he was unfaithful to his wife. And he wrote these many, many things and sent it off. And he waited. And nobody checked up on him. And Eugene Peterson said that what really saddened him and this is, this, I'm quoting him now. He said he had to admit that institutions care, care most about their survival, even over the spiritual growth of the people and their ministry to those who are in need of God's love. Let me just say that again. This is what saddened the late Eugene Peterson. Institutions, churches care more about their survival, even over the spiritual growth of the people and their ministry to those who are in need of God's love. What James is doing, James is presenting a different measuring stick. He said, if you want to know that your religion is true, if you want to know that your faith is real, is to figure out what is it that God is measuring? What is it that God cares about? What is it that matters to Almighty God? And we've heard the words of James. It's to visit orphans and widows in their distress. It's to keep oneself unstained from the world. And I think about our church. And we've been here in Evanston for over 151 years. And this is a good Sunday morning to ask ourselves, what does God care about when it comes to first prayers? Is it the size of our congregation? Is it how much money we raise? Even though those are things are good, those are just one way of measuring. But what God cares about is how do we treat the people who matter to God? 
So I think about people in our church, in the time that I've been here, some families, many of these families have moved on, who have intentionally adopted orphans. I think about families here in our church right now who intentionally are fostering. People who care about children. Many within our fellowship have lost a spouse. Wouldn't it be something if we as a church could come alongside these families who are adopting or who are fostering and say, what can I do to help? Wouldn't it be something if right here in our church, we could come alongside those who have lost a loved one who are in the throes of grief and say, I'm here for you. Let me come rake your leaves. I know the leaves are starting to fall. Let me come check on you and make sure your car is running right. Let, let, let me come practically and do something that will let you know that I care about where you are. Let me take you out to lunch. Let me bring you a meal. Let me send you a card. Let me, let me call you up and check in on you. If James were here today in Evanston in 2019, James would ask us to even go beyond widows and orphans and just think about human need. Widows and orphans are examples of the wider human condition and the suffering that's around us every day. And what James is saying, I want your religion to be worth something. Do something that God cares about. Open your eyes. And I'm, God is not calling us to meet, to meet all the needs globally, but God is just asking us to open our eyes to see what's going on around us. I remember the story, the old Quaker story, where a visitor came in, never been to a Quaker church before, and the people are sitting in silence at this friend's meeting. Worship is going on, and the visitor leaned over to this person next to him and said, what time does the service begin? And the Quaker person said, when the worship is over, what time does service begin? When the worship is over. Service begins when worship ends. I think that's a little bit of what James is telling us today. That is wonderful you're here this morning, but I want you to put your faith into action. Live it out in the world. Service begins at the end of this worship service. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people say, Thank you.